Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Aging Younger Radio, the podcast that's all about disease prevention using natural health alternatives. If you're searching for natural solutions to staying fit and healthy, you've tuned into the right place. Your hosts are David and Stephanie Tippy, two naturopaths with the advice and recommendations you need to steer clear of the modern medical mess created by Big Pharma. Today, more than ever, health is wealth. And on Aging Younger Radio, you'll get the tools and info you need to be the wealthiest person in town. So if having younger skin, a healthier heart, a stronger immune system, and more are what you desire, stick around. And now give a warm welcome to David and Stephanie. Welcome to Aging Younger Radio. This is Stephanie Tippy. David and I will be back on uh, the air together next week, but this week I have another David on the uh, in studio with me. I have David Young, and I have the honor to have him with me because I was... Um, gifted with the uh, being able to listen to him play uh, at one of his concerts a few weeks ago here in Plantation, Florida. So before I bring him on the air, I'd like to give a little background as to who David Young is because he is a fascinating individual. He is a multifaceted musician, and he's known for playing two Renaissance flutes at one time, and he has sold over one million copies of his songs and let me tell you his songs literally will take you to heaven and back and that comes from heart because I was there he started his company with his last $100 at Venice Beach in 1990 under the name of Celestial Winds and now there are 300,000 people every day who are uplifted by his 60 recorded albums So many call his music the most heavenly healing music on the planet, with over 20,000 healers and healing centers using his music daily. So when I was approached by his uh, PR person and they sent me his his workup and his uh, media kit, I just had a jump on bringing David Young to Aging Younger Radio because he has so much to offer because, as you all know, here at Aging Younger Radio, we constantly say that the trinity of health is the harmonic convergence of the soul, the mind, and the body. And through David's music and through his writings, and we're going to be speaking about his book uh, quite a bit this evening, well, he's able to touch at the soul level. So that's why I have the great pleasure of introducing David Young. Welcome, David, to Aging Younger Radio. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. Well, it's nice to have you. Uh, it, it, you're, uh, you are a breath of fresh air, to say the least. So. Well, thank you. Um, I never... I. You know, being a musician, starting out as a musician, I really, I had no idea that my career was going to lead me to this book and, you know, all these incredible experiences that people had at my events. I just thought I was a good flute player, and I didn't have any idea that people would have these experiences at my events. It's been, it's been an education for me, even though I had been meditating for over 30 years when I started to do these events. Well, I experienced one of your, the uh, one of the participants uh, and her reaction, and uh, it was a, it was it was a takeaway for sure. And we'll get into that. But I'd like to ask you. I'd like to start off. Um, I'd like to learn a little bit about how you learned to play the flute, when you started playing the flute, and what what was your driving factor towards the flute? Well, I started playing the recorder in the third grade, just like everybody learns it in public school. I grew up in New York, and I was the worst in my class the first year, and fortunately, there was extra money in the budget, and they gave us a second year of the recorder, and during the second year, I started to get good at it, and recorders come in all different sizes. The size most people are familiar with is the soprano, which is the size you learn in third grade, but there's an alto and a tenor and a bass, just like saxophones. And the, the larger they get, the bit, the deeper the sound is. And so I played the recorder as a kid. I started playing guitar in high school. 
And um, I ran out of money in 1990. I started to play the recorder at Venice Beach in California. I played with a woman who played the harp, and we made a tape called Celestial Winds. We sold 10,000 copies of that tape at Venice Beach over a two-year period. And then um, we started doing art festivals all over the country. And then in 1994, we split up, and then I just started making my own albums. I've recorded 60 albums on my own. And then in 2014, I started doing these these events, these meditation events, and people started sharing these experiences of, you know, reconnecting with their mom, their dad, their best friend from childhood who died early. And, you know, this was just a natural thing that happened at my events. And at the beginning, I was completely shocked. I couldn't, I'd never had one of those channeling experiences like that myself, like being visited by a a loved one. And so when people just started sharing those experiences at my events and it's over 7,000 people at this point have had that experience. Yeah, you should do a compilation, a book of the experiences. You know, I've been, I've been told that for like three years. Um, I, I know it's because the, the experiences that people have had are just so absolutely amazing. I mean, it's amazing for me to hear it. There, there was a woman who came to one ex, to one of my meditations, and she had been trying to get pregnant. I think for three years. She, I don't remember the name, the type of a doctor who helps a woman get pregnant when she's having a hard time getting pregnant. But you know, nothing was working, and she came to to one of my events, and. And this soul appeared to her during the meditation. And this soul told her that she needed to completely believe that she was going to get pregnant and that it was going to happen. And like two months later, she was pregnant. And she'd been trying to get pregnant for three years. Wow. Well, the soul, I wonder if the soul, that particular soul ever resurfaced in her life again. Yeah, that soul was her new, the 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 fetus that she had inside her. That was the soul that went with that fetus. I mean, she she just had the baby. Good, amazing, amazing. What, do you know what she named the baby? You know what? I don't remember the name that she named the baby, but it was a beautiful thing to hear. And um, you know, people have experiences. A lot of times people have experiences like near-death experiences where like 40, 50 years ago, nobody really talked about near-death experiences because people weren't sure if those people had, you know, if they weren't sure if they were crazy or, or anything like this, you know. But now there's so much medical history behind people having near-death experiences because, you know, I, I play music at all the national conventions for people who've had near-death experiences. These are huge conventions. I mean, it's a mind-blowing experience. Every 15 minutes, you're hearing another story that completely blows your mind. And when people have a near-death experience, they experience the inner light, and they also experience the frequency or the vibration of sound that people experience in the heavenly dimension. And when someone who has had a near-death experience and experienced that sound, that frequency in heaven, and, and when they come to one of my meditation events, they often say that the closest thing they ever heard to the music they heard in heaven while they were having their near-death experience was the music I created with my flutes at these events. Well, how long does it take you to create a piece? Creating a piece of music is... You know, it, it could be something that comes right out as an improvisation or it's something, you know, that takes more time. Because I've been playing for so long, I mean, in this lifetime, I've been playing the flute for 50 years. Um, but I know that I've been playing the flute back 7,000 years, so I've had plenty of time to practice. So, you know, it doesn't take me that long. So, let me, you must have had past life regression done. And do, do, you, do you happen to know what some of your past lives were? I do, but I think it would be better to not go into that at this point and really, because that will take the conversation down a whole other thing and 
I know we only have an hour to talk about all this stuff and about my book and stuff, so I don't think that would be the best time for that. All right, we'll do another show on that one, David. So, you know, I did bring you on uh, uh, to talk about your book, which is the true story of Jesus and his wife, Mary Magdalena. Now, I have a copy of the book, and I would like everybody, all of my listeners, to know that it happens to be a beautiful book. It's written very well. It's put together very well. It's a hard copy. It's just a very touching, beautiful um, piece of literature. That being said, um, I, I, I'd like to begin with how you came up with the name of the book. And I, I know, but I'd like you to share why and, 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 and what was the first experience that you had that led you to write this book. Okay. Well, um, I started doing these events in 2014, and after about six months, 500 people had had one of those reconnecting experiences with one of their loved ones, and it became a normal thing. In the beginning, it was the weirdest thing to me, the fact that people were sharing entire conversations they were having with one of their loved ones, and after a month or so of this, because I do three or four events every week all over the country, I just did my 420th event that was in Colorado. I was in Denver for the last four days. But after six months of that, um, something really strange happened, and um, three people in one group all saw Jesus standing in the same spot in the room. And I grew up in a Jewish family, so how do you wrap your mind around something like that when you grow up in a Jewish family? And so um, there was a famous channel named Bob Murray who was helping me to understand what was going on at my events. You know, it wasn't like you could just, you know, go to a doctor and say, hey, why is this happening? Or, you know, go to a library and find out why is this happening because, you know, it wasn't anything like that. I didn't know, I didn't even know this was possible. And so Bob was helping me to understand these things. And I asked him if he could channel Jesus because he had been channeling for me for about a year at that point with different angelic beings. And so that's where it started. And um, so then, you know, the following week, Jesus and Mary Magdalene and Mother Mary showed up to people. And I'm not saying that they showed up to me. I'm saying that while I was playing the flute and people had their eyes closed, people were having experiences with them. And it started to be, it once it started, it was consistent. Um, oh, basically since 2000 and 2014. And, you know, it's um, all the Ascended Masters are all connected. They're all friends. They all love each other and respect each other. Um, it's not a competitive thing because in the physical world, when we look at religions, you know, if you belong to a church, you're never going to walk into this other synagogue or this other temple because, you know, when you go to one church, you go to one church, you know. But the thing is, in the heavenly dimension, all of the ascended masters are connected. They they work together with people. It's it's not the way religions in this physical world make it look. You know, it, 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 there's no separation in heaven. Everything in the physical world gets separated, but everything in the heavenly dimension is all connected. So there are people who come to my events who will share that. Um, Krishna, Yogananda, and Jesus showed up to them, or Padre Pio and Jesus and Gandhi showed up to them. You know what I mean? And they would have entire conversations with those three beings, and usually people would say it was like the most natural thing in the world. It was, it was, it was just like sitting in your living room talking to two friends. It just so happened <laughs> that these friends were ascended masters. So do you think if they were if they were here in this plane today that wouldn't happen? Well, today, wh- today. What do you mean by that question? What do you mean? Well, like if, if we had, if we had um, Moses, Jesus, and um, Gandhi and Buddha, all right. We have, so we have all different different sects of religion. And we're all in 2019. You don't think that uh, they would all get together and 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 be one on this plane today here? 
Well, how would they meet each other? How would they find each other? You know what I mean? Because they obviously lived 2,000, 4,000 years ago. Um, maybe I'm not well, understanding what you're saying. Okay. Um, because you made the comment that uh, everything is one in the uh, in the uh, heavens, which I believe yep. totally. Yep. But I also believe I also believe the same is happening today. For example, I'm Jewish, just like you, but I go to Christian churches. I go to Protestant Lutheran churches, it, 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 and I I try to meld uh, with the culture and with the diversity. It, it's all about diversity. So I'm I'm wondering if. Uh, we took all the ascended masters, and if they were all on the same plane today, in in today's world, do you think it would be uh, they would be on the same plane, if you will, if you're following my gist? Yeah, well, one of the things you have to realize is that each one of these different religions that were crea- created, let's say, 500 years apart or 1,000 years apart, um, these different religions, many of them happened on different continents, which meant that people spoke different languages. And there's many things in the different religions that are talking about the same thing, like the golden rule, do unto others as others would do unto you. Every single Bible in every single language has those words in it. There are certain things that are universal in the religions, basically because a religion has a building that has to be paid for, and people who have to get paid, the religion has to find a way to make money. And so that creates a thing called competition. And whenever you have competition, you know, people are going to say things to win over that sale or win over that customer or, you know, win over the person who's trying to decide which church to go to. You have an open mind, which is a beautiful thing that you can go to different different churches and feel good about that and, and get something from it. But there are many people who are not open-minded and anything outside of their little box or outside of their little understanding, they can't receive it. Fortunately for you, you can receive it. And, you know, you're on a faster pace of spiritual growth because you have an open mind, you know. Our minds are like umbrellas. They're only useful when they're open. You know, an umbrella is really not very useful if it's not open. And when your mind is open, it's much more useful. That's a very good point. Which Okay, which brings me to a question. How, when you wrote this book, The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalena, and we, I'd like to get into a little bit about the book, how did mainstream religion uh, take to the book itself? How, I, I, I mean, how does the church accept it? For example, well, first of all, the book just came out a couple of months ago, and I'm not marketing the book, and my publisher is not marketing the book into the mainstream towards churches because obviously um, churches don't believe that Jesus had a wife, even though there are five places in the Bible where Jesus is called rabbi, and in order to become a rabbi, you first have to have a wife and children. He couldn't have been a rabbi if he didn't have a wife and had children. And Mary Magdalene was his wife. And they had three children before that terrible thing happened. Um, right now, I am not doing interviews in the mainstream because I'm mainly interested in the 50 million Americans. I call them the Oprah generation. But the 50 million Americans who are meditating or doing yoga once or twice a week and people who are on the spiritual path. Okay. Um, the unique thing about the way the world is is that there are different realities that exist simultaneously. And I'm not talking about the heavenly realities. I'm talking about physical realities. Like, for example, somebody who watches CNN will never turn on Fox News. And someone who watches Fox News will never turn on CNN. And likewise, somebody, somebody, who, somebody who goes to let's say, a Baptist church, is not ever going to walk into a metaphysical bookstore or a yoga studio. Or, you know what I mean? They're just not comfortable in that world. And people who go to metaphysical bookstores and meditate, 
don't won't ever go into a church unless they're going to somebody's wedding or somebody's funeral. You know what I mean? So these two worlds exist independently. A lot of people ask me that same question that you're asking, like, wow, aren't you afraid about what the church is going to say? Well, the the church has, has more skeletons in its closet than any organization in the whole world. So, you know, if if people want to stay in the religion that they were born with, that's their prerogative, it's their free will. And if people want to grow, people have an opportunity to grow. And over a thousand people who have come to my events have shared in front of the whole group after the meditation was over that they had a conversation of spiritual travel with Jesus, his wife Mary Magdalene, or Mother Mary. Now, here's an interesting thing. If you would think about the five most important people in your life, the five people that you're closest with, do you know if those five people are married or not? Of, of course you know your, your closest friends who's married and who's not, right? right. So for anybody, right. for anybody who believes in Jesus, one of the ways you can tell if they've ever had an experience with Jesus is because he usually shows up with his wife to people. Mary Magdalene and his wife. I couldn't even count how many people have had experiences with Jesus and Mary Magdalene together. Can, uh, I know some of the stories and, and, and some of the sharing, and they, they're extraordinary. Can you share with my listeners part yeah. of the book? And- well, I'll start, I'll, I'll start off with a funny story. Now, this is going to sound like a joke, but it's not a joke. This happened at my event two months ago where this woman, after the meditation was over, she shared with the group that this man showed up in her meditation. And she said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus. And she, and she said, well, why do you have such a hairy chest? And Jesus said, because I know you really like men with hairy chests. <laughs> That's not a joke. That happened at my event. Now, one of the things that a skeptic, a skeptic could say was, would be, well, gee, how do you know it was really Jesus? Well, when people come to my events and have healings, a healing is a beautiful experience. Everybody would love to have a healing. If it wasn't, you know what I'm saying, if it wasn't really Jesus, when a person has an experience with, with him at my event, it's always, always a positive experience. And usually he connects people with one of their loved ones because, you know, this thing that as humans that we call death, which is really more a transformation than an ending, um, you know, our physical bodies are made out of cells and molecules and they have a certain time limit for how long these cells and molecules are going to work in our body, you know. And, you know, in the heavenly dimension, our bodies are made out of light, so because of that, the way things transform, they transform at a much quicker rate because light transforms at the speed of light where cells and molecules take years and months and all that other kind of stuff. But, you know, people who have these experiences with the Ascended Masters, um, it's unforgettable. You know, many times there are people who are in tears um, because, you know, if somebody let's say, lost their mom and there were unresolved issues with them and their mom when their mom transformed, when their mom went to the heavenly dimension. And for somebody to have a chance to talk to their mom again, even though they may have been dead for five years or 20 years, to have a chance to see that person and, you know, have a hug and, you know, reconnect, those are deep emotional things, you know. One of the ways that people, that you can tell that people's experiences are legitimate is when they, when they explain that there was something that they saw in their meditation that they completely did not expect to see. Because one of the common tendencies that people have is, well, how do I know this is real? How do I know it's not my imagination? The thing is, is when something appears in your meditation that you didn't expect to see, you know you're not making it up because you're surprised to even see it. 
Well, there was a young woman who was next to me in the uh, in the meditation, and she she cried, and she was quite emotional, and could not thank you enough for bringing her to the peace that you brought her to through your through your meditation and your your guidance and the music. The music was what what was the name of that the first piece? That you play. Well, I do, do different pieces of music at my events, but I very often play something from my CD that's called Creation. The one that I felt like I was literally going up to the stairway to heaven. Yeah, you don't mean the Led Zeppelin song, right? No, no, I don't mean the Led Zeppelin song. I'm but pulling you like I'm pulling you like I know you are. But you did. You, <laughs> you took me to heaven. You did take me to heaven with your music. It was your, your the first uh, piece. I think it was one of the, your first uh, pieces that you ever wrote. You told me. Well, that was on the CD called Creation. It was it was it was a song that there was. That's a whole long story that we probably shouldn't get into because it's too long. But that that's the song from Creation. Um, is the is one of the main pieces that I use. I I don't do the same music every night at these events, you know, but that's that's one of the the main songs that I use and you know talking about the the woman that that was in tears you know um it it happens all the time you know when when we when we get a glimpse into the the heavenly dimension um you know there's some people who walk out of this thing like dancing like a 10-year-old or a 5-year-old cuz they're so happy and there's other people who it's it's sometimes something can be so beautiful it brings you to tears and you know that happens happens very often you know um i had a friend who did not meditate and he came to my event just because he was my friend and he couldn't believe it but he shared when the meditation was over he said my my father showed up to me in my meditation and my dad died 35 years ago i had you know it, this was not anything that was on my mind at all and i said to my dad dad what are you doing here and his father said i've always been here and then he said well how does it feel to see all the family drama that's going on now because there was lots of family drama 30 you know before his dad died 35 years ago and his dad said just like looking in the mirror. Mm. Um, and then after that meditation, he came back to another meditation about two months later, and his dad showed up, and his mother, and his youngest brother who died young. And ever since that, he's able to communicate with his mom, his dad, and his younger brother, like the way a professional channeler would, would communicate with, with somebody on, this, on the other side. And now it's natural for him. I was hoping that was going to happen to me, but it didn't. It didn't. I was hoping to be able to have uh, communicated with my dearly departed, my parents and my brother, but maybe in your next one, because I know I'll come back to one of your concerts when you're back down in South Florida. That I can tell you. Oh, yeah. So, you know, one of the things that is so beautiful about your book is the, the channels that some of these people have uh, told you about and the stories, and then not only did you write, but you depicted what you wrote. So you, you're you an artist as well. And yeah, I'm, I made 150 paintings over a year and a half period, and 50 of those paintings are in the book. The book is 13 inches by 10 inches, so it's a large coffee table-sized book, and every page is in full color. So my paintings are under the words, and there's also paint pages where the paintings are just by itself without any words. And I made paintings that I thought were abstract paintings, but I had no idea that these paintings were actually depicting and showing, you know, that, that Jesus and Mary Magdalene lived in this cave in the south of France, you know. He lived to be 72 years old. There was a Roman soldier who was sympathetic about what was happening to him, and this Roman soldier was friends with Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene came from the wealthiest family around. If you remember the name Joseph of Arimathea in the Bible, 
Mary Magdalene was the daughter of Joseph of Arimathea, who was a very wealthy man. And when Mary Magdalene's mother died young, Mother Mary, because that's what people used to do back then, Mother Mary took over guardianship. Um, you know, she helped bring up Mary Magdalene when she was a little girl, and then she grows up to be a grown woman. And Jesus comes back, and he's 30 years old, and he meets Mary Magdalene, and they connect instantly. They're actually able to communicate telepathically because they both were on a really, really high level um, of consciousness. And one of the things that they found out was that individually, before they met, they had each gone to Egypt to study from at the mystery schools of Egypt. They had also gone to India and had studied from the yogis and gurus in India who knew how to do magic and healing and all this cool stuff. And so Jesus and Mary Magdalene had that experience separately. And so when once they met, they realized they had both been to these faraway places and had, had spiritual training. And so they, you know, they met on a very high spiritual level. And, um, you know, one of the things that I found fascinating, because, you know, because I grew up Jewish, I was so skeptical of any of this stuff. The only thing that kept me involved in this whole thing was the fact that I was doing these meditation events and Jesus and Mary Magdalene and Mother Mary were the first of the ascended masters to start to appear and to start appearing to people and my events. And then once they started coming, appearing to people, they brought all their friends. And so that's when, you know, Buddha and Moses and Krishna and Archangel Michael, Archangel Metatron, every ascended master, every archangel you can you can name has been has appeared to people ten, fifty, a hundred or a thousand times. And all of those things were happening and that's how I got to learn about this stuff was because, you know, I kinda make a joke when I start my events, I I tell people, you know, I've learned all this incredible stuff about spirituality by coming to my own events, just from listening to what people share after the meditations are over. And one of the things that was so fascinating for me was that, um, you know, I found out that um, there was a church in Mary Magdalene's name in the south of France because um, my ex-girlfriend Mimi, she was an amazing channeler. And... So I met her at one of my events in, I think it was 2016, and she just had that gift of channeling, and so it was very easily, easy, <laughs> excuse me, it was really easy um, for for Jesus or Mary Magdalene or Mother Mary or any of the Ascended Masters to give me information and directions through her. And one of the directions they gave me is that about a year after that experience had started, they asked they told us that they wanted us to go to the south of France. Well, we went to the south of France, and we found out that was there's a famous church called the Basilica of St. Mary Magdalene. And I couldn't believe there was a church in Mary Magdalene's name because there's so little that's known about her in America. And so I just did a Google search, and anybody who's listening can just go on to Google and do a search of the story of the Church of St. Mary Magdalene, because in the year 1279, there was a French nobleman who, were vis- who was visited in a dream by Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene told this French nobleman that her bones were buried in a box under a church in the south of France in a village called St. Maximine. Well, it was such a powerful experience, this French nobleman took a crew down to the south of France he found the little village of St. Maximine and he went under the church and he found this wooden box. When he opened up the box, he could see there were human bones in the box and there was a handwritten letter that wrote that said, here lie the bones of St. Mary Magdalene. So what Mary Magdalene had told the French nobleman in a dream was exactly true. So this French nobleman built a gigantic basilica on top of that little church and he named it the Basilica of St. Mary Magdalene. At that point, when the church was built, they changed the name of the town. So there's a historical record in 1279 when they changed the town from St. Maximine 
to Saint Maximine le Saint Baume, and in French, Baume means cave. They found the saint's bones in this cave. Yeah, it's 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 a true story. It, you, you can't make this stuff up. It's um, the historical things that support my book. There's more actual historic things in my book than than you have in you know the Bible was changed so many times, over a thousand times by over a thousand writers, and they took things out and they added things to the Bible. Like one of the amazing things. That that I found out was that the virgin birth was not in the original Bible. It actually wasn't in any Bible for 381 years, and that was until Emperor Constantine, the Roman emperor, had this uh, meeting called the Council of Nicaea when they added the virgin birth to the Bible because Buddhism had a virgin birth, and they didn't want Buddhism to look cooler than Christianity, so they just added the virgin birth to the Bible. Oh, David, this is look amazing. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It, it, it's not it's my an opinion. Eye it's a fact. It's an yeah. eye opener. You, you should write a book on <laughs> on the historical. Well, this fashion. is in the book. Here, well, here's another amazing, amazing piece of information that that goes along with that. So, for thousands of years before Jesus was ever born, there was a holiday. A, an Egyptian holiday, which was a pagan holiday. Most of the people in the world were pagans back then. The American Indians were pagans. The Celts and the Vikings were pagans. You know, everybody worshipped the sun and the moon, and there were goddesses for, for all these different things. And the pagan, if you want to call it a religion or the philosophy, that's what most of the world was. And there was um, an Egyptian holiday called the Birthday of Horus, H-O-R-U-S, and Horus was born supposedly of a virgin birth. Supposedly three wise men appeared at his birth, and there was a special star in the sky. I mean, that sounds very familiar. And Horus's birthday that was celebrated for thousands of years before Jesus was born was celebrated on December 25th. That was the holiday that was celebrated, you know, by millions of people. And when Christianity became stronger and stronger and stronger, they didn't want to call it Horace's birthday anymore. So they just changed the name of the holiday from Horace's birthday to Christmas because they were having a mass for Christ on that day, December 25th. That's not, that's not Jesus' birthday. If you look up the Bible and do the whole research on, you know, when, you know, if you just look through the Bible, you'll find out the fact that he, his birthday had to be in April. It wasn't going to be in December. So it kind so of growing, cracks me up when you hear I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Growing, uh, growing up as a Jew, okay, and then did you, did you practice Judaism? Did you, well, did I, you read? I practiced Judaism until I was done with my bar mitzvah, and then I was done practicing. <laughs> you know, I really was not interested in Judaism after I did my bar mitzvah, as, you know, many people aren't, you know. And when I was 22, I got into meditation, and I really had nothing to do with Judaism after my bar mitzvah. And I started meditating at 22, and I've been meditating for 36 years now. And, you know... The world is so different than, than what it used to be. You know, spirituality is so much easier to access now than it was, you know, 40 years ago. If you wanted to find a book on spirituality, there there were not that many books out there compared to what you have now. You know, there's millions of books on spirituality that, that you can learn about, you know. Um, there's so many books on near-death experiences. You know, people who've had near-death experiences have had the experience of going to heaven and then coming back to their physical body and being able to talk about it. You know, one of the things that I found out at, at the National Convention for Near-Death Experiences, which is called IANS, the International Association of Near-Death Studies, is that there have been over 20 million Americans over the last 30 years that had a near-death experience that was documented by their nurse or doctor at a hospital. Just imagine somebody just came out of a coma and and their doctor or their nurse is sitting at their bedside and they're like, wow, 
so glad you came back to life. And they would they would explain everything that they saw in the heavenly dimension and everything they experienced in that level of reality. And that became part of their medical records. So there's over 20 million Americans that have what they experienced in heaven as part of their medical records. Now, 7,000 of those people agreed to go under hypnosis. So a professional hypnotherapist could find out what did they experience while they were in that other dimension. And most of those 7,000 people described the exact same thing, that in the heavenly dimension, there's a different set of rules than the physical dimension has. In the heavenly dimension, because everything is made out of light, everything manifests at the speed of light, which is basically instantaneously. So while you're in the heavenly dimension, if you think about your grandmother, then your grandmother appears in front of you because everything manifests instantaneously at the speed of light. While you're in the heavenly dimension, if you think about Moses or Jesus or Buddha or Mother Mary or any of the ascended masters, whoever you wonder about or think about, Manifests instantly because everything manifests at the speed of light. That's the way it works. And this is what all those thousands of people described coming out of a near-death experience. Have you ever had one? Um, I have not had a near-death experience, fortunately. Have you ever had an out-of-body experience? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've been meditating for 36 years. Of course, I've had out-of-body experiences, you know. That's one of the things that, that, that happens in meditation. You you experience inner peace, and you experience divine love. And very often, you'll have an out-of-body experience where, I mean, you a lot of times people have these experiences while they're sleeping, while they're dreaming, but they don't realize the reality of it, you know. A lot of times people have a, an experience where their body is sleeping, and they're hovered over their body, like up by the ceiling, looking down at their body, like, hey, look at that, like something outside themselves. It, well, I the reason I ask that is because, for me, out-of-body experience, I would say, is a little bit on the same uh, realm as a near-death experience. I have a lot of them, and I, I, there are times when I just don't even want to come back. Because well, lots of people so, don't want to come back. Because that dimension so, is it, yeah, it's it, so beautiful. The love is everywhere. Um, it's just the whole, everything. The colors are way more vivid and exciting and beautiful. Every, the earth is like, you know, a pale reflection of, of the heavenly dimension. The earth, say that again, I didn't hear you. The earth is a reflection of what? It's like a pale reflection of the heavenly dimension. You know, mm-hmm. The heavenly dimension is full color and vibrant. The, the, the sounds and the colors and everything is just so much more amazing than what we have in this physical realm. If you've I ever seen the, the movie... I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I also like the flying. I, also, I, I just like being able to fly around. Move. Yeah, well, that's the natural way that we move in heaven. Yeah, it, it, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful experience, and I think it comes uh, with uh, to people as they start to awaken more of yeah. their higher consciousness, and the, and I believe the work you're doing, David, is helping people to get to that level, uh, um, and that's when we're going to see a more peaceful world once you're able to to bring the masses to that level of consciousness. Well, there's no doubt. Um, the thing is, when you, when you have an experience in the inner light and the inner sound in the heavenly dimension, um, it has to affect the way you look at life and I've met thousands of people at those conferences who had near-death experiences, and not one of them is afraid of death anymore. No, no, they're not. No, they're not, because they know what's awaiting them. And it's a they lot prettier. Yeah, 
brought yeah. Purdy out. Now, what is uh, what's going on here? You know, on this uh, plane. I mean, we're 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 living in some horrific times, uh, but it's changing. It's, there's people like you who are coming to the scene, albeit you've been around for so many years, and it. I'm sorry I never had the opportunity to have um, heard you before in the past because I would have gone back to some of your concerts when you came um, when you were down here in South Florida. You're friends with a lot of people that I'm friendly with in the community. It's a small community, and um, but the work you're doing is, is phenomenal. It really is phenomenal. And people need to know about you. Let me. I have a question for you. That have you personally had uh, any direct messages from Jesus or Mary or uh, Mother Mary or any With, of the sentiments? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of times it, it takes a little figuring out to figure out that there there are, is information that comes to our mind that we are not the originator of. You know, we normally think, well, if there's a thought going through our mind, we think, well, it's our own thought. But a lot of, I mean, every famous inventor is just channeling. They're not inventing anything. They're being given that information from their guides or from some spirit or soul in heaven who's giving them that information. We don't really invent any of these things, we really kind of like transpose it more. We get the information through meditation. I mean, John Lennon used to say he wrote 90% of the songs right after he woke up from a nap. Yeah, he, he, said he was he, given this information in a, in, a lot of, in a lot of, he called it a nap. They didn't call it meditation back then, really. He called it taking a nap, you know. He was beyond. I mean, that man was beyond. His words, his music is just beautiful. Yeah, he wrote a couple of good songs. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I know, I know. You, it's your New, it's your New York humor. Yep. I'm just kidding. I grew up in New York. Remember. You know, the, this conversation has gone so fantastically. I didn't take any of the commercial breaks I was going to take. But that's okay. I'm enjoying it. Cool. I'm, en- I'm enjoying it. So, who, what, what is the most, uh, what, ha- what is the most recent message you have received from an ascended master? Oh. Um, I get so many messages now. I don't really know know which one to say. I mean, because they're happening all the time. Um, Humanity is going through a huge shift. It's a huge shift. And um, spirituality is becoming part of the mainstream. Uh, People who are involved, anybody who's listening to your radio show, is involved in this, in, in the spiritual path, you know. And, you know, if you, if you think about how much the world has changed in the last 30 years, you know, um, the, the changes are happening faster and faster. So that means the next 30 years, all the spiritual changes that have already started to happen are going to be happening way, way, way more because that's where, you know, that's, that's where humanity is heading. And, um, and it was very interesting. This, is, this was something that, that John Lennon gave me a few years ago. Um, but he said that the creator has willed it that heaven be manifested on earth. And last year, he gave me that message four years ago. Last year, I was set up at a trade show. And there was a guy whose booth was right in front of me. And he had a book that I'd never seen before that was called, it was, um, gosh, I just forgot. Um, oh, I can't believe I just, that just dropped out of my head. But, well, for whatever reason, um, Peace at Last. That's, that was the name of the book. And 
it had a picture of John Lennon on the front cover. So this guy was in the booth right in front of me. So I went over to ask him about the book. And uh, he told me that this book was written a year after John Lennon was killed in, in 1980. And John Lennon, after he died, about a year after he died, started appearing to this guy who was not a Chandler. He was not a psychic. He wasn't a Beatles fan. He couldn't understand why John Lennon was appearing to him. And John Lennon was giving him all the information on the process of what it was like getting used to being in heaven and his whole transition from his physical life as John Lennon into his heavenly life or his, you know, you know what I'm saying? And one of the things that I read in this book that John Lennon gave to this guy in 1981, John Lennon told this guy, and this is in that book, he said, the creator has willed it that heaven be manifested on earth. He gave that guy that message in 1981, and he gave, and I had no idea that that message was in this book. He gave me the same message in 2016. John Lennon gave you that message in 2016. Yeah, John Lennon. Yeah. So you can't make these things up, you know. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't think you are. And it is manifested because it's divine will. You know, I really believe that we are spiritual beings living the human experience. And as, as spiritual beings, our mission is to go back to that spiritual spirituality. Is to go back to that loving essence that we. We are. That's who we are. That is our soul. That is the essence of the soul. And living the human experience, unfortunately, we're distracted by humanity that is not humanity. It's a dichotomy, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you something that's kind of, I thought was hilarious, but... um, there was a guy who I did this event in Sedona and it was two weeks after the election, two years ago. And George Washington showed up, showed him a golden pyramid first, which is symbolic for me. And then he told this guy, and he shared this at the event. George Washington told this guy at my event that he was not happy at all that Trump was elected president. And I just think that's the funniest thing in the world. When you have the father of our country appearing to somebody, he's concerned for the welfare of our country because somebody got elected who really shouldn't have been elected, you know? Uh, uh, one thing I steer away from is politics. So, um, But um, if it was a, a message that came to him, so be it. But uh, yeah. But politics, I don't, I don't want to go down that road. Not, not on Aging Younger Radio. So let's go back. We only have about five minutes or six minutes left. You know, David, why can't, why not give out some information so people can find you who don't know you? Because my listeners, uh, the majority of my listeners are health-conscious uh, listeners, and I really, I, it's far and few between that I do spiritual shows, even though I do follow the spiritual path, and I am, I really believe I am um a little bit more evolved than the norm in today's uh, society. But uh, can you give us some information how people can find you? Sure. Well, my website is davidyoungmusic.com. And you can get everything, you know, all my books and my my albums, my CDs, and, you know, all that stuff is is at my website there. And... um, there's a lot of stuff there because I, you know, recorded so many albums and have done so many events. There's a lot of stuff on that website that you can look through. So it's I have David a Facebook Young page also, davidyoungmusic.com. And the book, um, The True Story of Jesus, uh, something that I and should mention. Well, what what's nice about it is you have the barcode where if you have a reader on your phone, you can they people can download your music and listen to it, correct? 
Yep, there's 12 QR codes that take you to 12 songs of music that are on, that are connected to the book, and you get those 12 songs of music for free with the book. Right. And um, they uh, they channeled which song they wanted for each chapter, and there's there's one chapter that talks about Jesus and Mary Magdalene living in that cave in the south of France, and uh, the the song that they chose for that chapter was the hidden reality which I thought was so profound that, that they gave me that that song to add to the book about the hidden reality of what really happened to them and that was a song that they you know that they did wanted with that, with that story did you write that song before they gave you yeah, that, that song, was a song that, yeah, they, I had written it and recorded it on one of my albums called Sounds from the Higher Consciousness. Uh, it's a vocal album, and that came out um, a couple of years ago. And it was just amazing that um, it was the perfect song for the chapter about them him living in that cave. Well, you know what I think, David? I think that all through your meditations and your concerts, you were being set up to write this book. That's what I think. Oh, yes. And I, there's, there's no doubt. No doubt. There were people who came to my events who didn't even know me, didn't even know I was supposed to be working on a book like like this at all. And there were people who, when the meditation was over, would raise their hand and say, hey, Jesus just showed up to me, and he told me this, this, and this. And he also said, when are you going to get working on that book? I mean, these people didn't know I was supposed to be working on the book. How long did it take you to write the book? Well, fortunately, there was a lot of the information that I've been keeping track of um, over the years. So there was a lot of it that was written up. But the, the design of the book was what took the most time, just because every page is in full color. There's artwork on every page. Um, and so that's what really took a lot of time. You are, you are really a very talented individual. You have a, 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 an incredible gift. And um, it, it, it shows. I mean, I have the book right here. It, I love the book. And, again, when your publicist, uh, who I work with, uh, came to me and I just read the title of the book, that did it. And then she sent me the book and I was sold. And that's why you're on the radio show. So I I want to, uh, you know, give accolades and, and pat the back when it it's well deserved because um, I encourage people to to open up their minds and to get a copy of your book and to see what what else there is outside of the four corners of a room. The majority of Americans, unfortunately, have not been outside of their own backyard. Did you know that? That's yeah, true. And, and I know that because I've traveled around the world uh, most of my life. And, and so uh, many people are very closed, and many people uh, will not um, – oh, my gosh, we're down to uh, a minute and a half. Many people won't resonate. But I'm encouraging people to resonate and to check out davidyoungmusic.com and to really take a look at his book and to obtain the book, The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalena. David, how can I say thank you for giving me your time? I enjoyed you, uh, you very welcome. much. You're welcome. Yeah, you know, you I, can also get my book on Amazon, too. But, you know, I, I, I love doing these interviews. I love sharing the story. It's nothing that I ever thought I'd be involved with. Um, and it's been an incredible journey, an incredible adventure all the way through. Well, I am so glad that you shared it with me, with my listeners, and we are global. So uh, this podcast, we have listeners in the U.K., Canada, Taiwan, Philippines, Panama, Venezuela, you name it. Uh, we're, we're all over the globe. But I am running out of time. So, David, thank you so very much. And perhaps you would like to come back and we can continue our sure. conversation because I tremendously appreciate it. And so, okay, okay. You got it. All right, thank you, everybody. We will be back on the air next week. Uh, until then, God bless you all. Have a happy aging younger week. Bye-bye. 
David and Stephanie truly hope you enjoyed today's podcast and learned a lot of excellent information about how to stay healthy naturally. Like the old adage says, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And with the information you've learned today, you can put prevention to work for you right now. By the way, if you want one-on-one help and advice from Stephanie and David, you can call them at 954-742-4430 or visit their website at www.agingyounger.net today. Thanks for joining us on Aging Younger Radio. Here's to your health, naturally.